TalkZone.com Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet light-hearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, two guys and a mic on TalkZone.com. Is that a boo-boo-zilla that I heard uh, entering our open here on the TalkZone.com? There it is. By the way, that's the last you'll hear me talk about the World Cup today. There will be zero soccer talk on the show as I'm taping taping the United States against Slovenia game. Big dog and a coach. Welcome, everybody. TalkZone.com. Two guys at a Mike World Cup soccer free here, but we will talk baseball. We'll talk a great Game 7, College World Series, U.S. Open, and most importantly, the Big Dog's personal and social life, which when things are slow is the most interesting at all. Coach of the Big Dog with you. I'm the coach. Big Dog, how are you? Uh, I've been better, Coach. It's you... the best way for me to put it. Oh, from a personal, social, or, I mean, your Cubs have won two in a row, so it can't be from a sports perspective. Yeah, yeah, the Cubs are turning around. That's good. Uh, we don't have to watch any more NBA basketball. We can we can focus on nothing but baseball right now, and so that's good for me. But I had a little bit of an accident. Uh oh. Fell into a brick wall. You fell into a brick wall. It looks like I fought Mike Tyson, coach. Legitimately, my face on one side is totally swollen up. Wow. I, I got a bone bruise on my on my chin. It's unbelievable. But first of all, my my buddy uh, Ahmed was extremely surprised I didn't break my neck when it happened. So, yeah, I, mm-hmm. my teeth are bruised. Is, my is, teeth are, that's how bad it is. Is Ahmed different than Mahmoud, or are they one and the same? Oh, no, 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 no. They're cousins. Cousins? Yeah. Okay, cousins. so Ahmed and Mahmoud. I, I, we've talked to Mahmoud before, but we have not talked to Ahmed. Yeah, he was upset he didn't get to answer the Nicholas Jalmerson question <laughs> on, on Wednesday. <laughs> Or Tuesday, whatever that was. Oh, but, uh, goodness. Now, all right, so, now, a couple of weeks ago, you had got hit by a car riding your bicycle. By the bicycle. way, yeah, I was the one who hit the car. Let's, yes. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Yeah, you claimed, you claimed full full disclosure was your fault, yeah. but nevertheless, you took a rough and tumble. You're a big guy, 6'2", 230, 240, whatever. You fall off your bicycle. It's going to cause some bumps and bruises. Now, less than two weeks later, and again, your description was you fell into a brick wall. Explain a por favor. Well, um... It, it was just as simple as that. I was I was walking and stumbled, and, and my face was the first thing that made contact with a, a brick wall. So, and I kind of they said I hit it, and I blacked out because I got concussed from it, and I really didn't know what the heck was going on. And uh, you know, I, I came to yesterday. I, was, I had some stuff to do. I went to go get my bike and go do something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, my face hurts, you know. And then like I was like, oh my my tire's flat. I was like, I can't even go do this. Next thing I come in, I was like, why does my face hurt so much? And then I looked in the mirror, and I don't remember that because it, it knocked me out, Coach. It legitimately knocked me wow. out. Um, wow. So like, I guess paramedics came over there because it was right by a, a fire station. And, uh, like, you know, I came to, and I, I refused to go to the hospital, but they, uh-huh. they treated me. My hand hurt for some reason. My right hand hurt, and the right side or the left side of my face was just totally destroyed. And I'm like, oh, no, I got into a fight. I'm like, I'm a grown man. Is there any way you could fight? <sighs> Can you post pictures on our website, possibly for the fans? I don't the want fan? anybody to see this. I no? don't want anybody. It's, it's that bad, Coach. So, uh, wow. 
like immediately, like some of my buddy Herbie did. And he came out there. He's like, you're an idiot. You tripped yesterday and fell into a wall. And I'm like, that's what happened. I felt so good. I remember, like, everything. I remember the whole night. And then I remember leaving. And, like, we were, it was, like, 6 o'clock at night or 7 o'clock at night. And next thing I know, this happened to me. Now, I knew that. Why can't I remember it? <laughs> now, being the professional sports talk host that I am, Big Dog, I have to ask you, was any level of um, inebriation factor part of this inconclusive statement with you in the brick wall? Coach, how, how can I say this? But yes, but nowhere near the amount that would make it to where okay. I, you know what I mean? Well, trust me, I, I, I hate to admit this, but I probably have drank a little bit too much in my life. This wasn't even in the top thousand of mm-hmm. how much I've ever drank. Okay, so was it, it was an assisting factor, but not overly determinate. No, it, it definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't. And you know, the worst thing is, is you know, I'm, we, I, I meet this, I met this really nice girl. Everything was working out. She's like, hey, let's go out. And uh, so I'm leaving the club with her. I was with this girl when it happened. I was like, man, I was like, what happened? I was like, I'm walking out with this girl, Lindsay. <laughs> and next thing I know, I can't remember a dang thing. And, and Lindsay was nowhere to be found when you woke up and the paramedics oh, no, were home? No, 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 absolutely Come on, not. Lindsay! If, 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 you would, if you'd see what I look like right now, Coach, you well, still, come on, it's new love. You struck up a connection where, you know, come on, Lindsay. Well, I don't know about love, Coach. Come huh? on. <sighs> love is, a, that's another word. That's. Uh, love is a many spondered thing. Love means never having to say you're sorry, but come on, a little chemistry, a little connection to all the Lindsays of the world. You're walking home, uh, you know, you gave your phone number out, and your male associate runs into a brick wall, knocks himself out. You don't go running. Come on, at least, we're not asking you marry the guy, but at least provide some help. Lindsay, if you're listening, eight 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 four six three six seven four. I guarantee you, Lindsay is sitting at home right now, feeling quite guilty. For taking off, uh, probably out of a little fear, out of a little scaredness. Hopefully it was not lack of concern, but Lindsay, if you want to make amends, uh, dial us up 888-463-674. Are you sure her name was Lindsay? Yeah, yeah. We run in the same circles too, believe it or not. So I, I might end up running into this girl again. And if I do, I won't be, I won't run into the brick wall. I'll run into her. <laughs> you keep talking about in football, how you would, what's your expression? You run through a brick wall? Well, no, you run into other human beings at full speed. Yeah. All right. Oh, like, oh, that's easy. If, if you're good enough to run through a brick wall, that type of stuff. Well, yeah, trust mm-hmm. me, the brick wall will win people. Yeah. So, like, like I, I seriously, I remember everything up to just before hitting the wall, Coach. And you, then after that, I just it was like 12 hours totally blank. So, you, and my head hurt so bad yesterday. I can't even explain how bad my head It's hurt. unbelievable, by the way. You're on the radio here at 10 o'clock again. Two weeks ago after a bicycle accident, you're on the morning after here after getting knocked out, paramedics taking care of you. You don't remember what happened. Here he is doing the show at 10 o'clock. If anybody from ESPN or any of the major networks are listening, dedication to the cause, folks, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. But uh, that's tremendous, tremendous dedication. It's nice, though, that you, um, if you're going to knock yourself out, it's nice that you did it right near a fire station. So the paramedics yeah, yeah, are right there for you. Yeah, right near a fire station. Yeah. So it was at Wrigley Field. Too, yeah. So it's like, well, like, how embarrassing. You know what they say about real estate? Same thing with getting knocked out on a brick wall. It's all about location. Location, location. Well, again, who put this ballpark here? You know, that was the first thing I had to say, you know, supposedly is what I said. Now, do, do you uh, happen to go to the Cubs game? Great Cubs game yesterday. If anything can make you feel better, I know your face is hurt, you're bumped and bruised, but your beloved Cubs playing much better, a dramatic tension pack. Three to two victory yesterday. Were you at the game or just wandering around Wrigley Field? Oh, no, that was the day before that I was at the game, and I was, you know, uh, I was just wandering around. Uh, I, never mind. I don't even want to get it started with that. But yeah, yesterday was an excellent win. Uh, the Cubs beat the A's. The A's have not blown a game. They were 46 and 0 
in games that they trailed after the seventh inning and the Cubs ended that streak. So that was pretty good. And they won a one-run ball game, which they haven't done a lot this year. So that mm-hmm. was good. The Chicago baseball teams right now hopefully starting to get things turned around. I mean, the Cubs have played brutal the last couple weeks. They played their worst game of the season on Tuesday, Coach. Four errors, two base running mistakes, wild pitches. Uh, Sean Merriman doesn't even sing the words right and uh, take me out to the ball game. And then the next two games, they play gritty, gutty style, and, the, and they get it done. And the White Sox, well, it always helps if you get to play like the Cubs and, and the Pirates. But, man, they've been playing really well as of late. So sometimes, sometimes you have to hit your absolute depth before you can reach new heights. Maybe that game that you alluded to, the Cub game Tuesday, maybe that was like, you know, the, not the opposite of the beginning of the end. It was the beginning. It was it was the end, and it was the beginning of greater things. So you know, it's an optimistic look at it. But you know, sometimes that happens. You get to your lowest point, boom, the bounce back is highest. Well, they they need they could bounce really high after the way they played. So now and that was tension packed yesterday. They're down two to one in the bottom of the eighth. They scratched out a run, something the Cubs have not been particularly good at. Coastgate. Fukudome got a base hit. I think it was uh, Xavier Nady who ended up getting a sack fly to bring the run in and tie the game 2-2. Two to two. And uh, just a little run like that, Big Dog, it, it's a small thing, but it's an indicator maybe they're getting things turned around because those are the kind of runs they have not been able to produce all year long. They did it under pressure in the eighth inning. Yeah, you know, it's nice that they, they did it in one game. Okay, let, let's be honest. They did it in one game, but... uh I want to see it more consistently, and and I will agree with you that that Xavier Zadiat Xavier Zadiat bat was awesome. Yeah, I mean taking a lone away pitch, driving it to right field, making sure you got the run in, and Kosuke Fukudome, let's admit, has been brutal the last couple of weeks, and have him have a good game also helps out too. So. They brought back apparently, I was reading in the paper, they brought back his Japanese batting instructor a couple of days ago, and that has helped turned uh, things around. So you know, I don't know if they're going to have to house this guy all year long, but. Kosuke clearly does better when he has his comfort zone batting instructor with him. Yeah, if you're paying a guy $12 million who isn't producing, and yep. it's going to cost you an extra $100,000 to house his uh, his coach, spend the extra hundred grand to get your worth out of the $12 million. Do you know what I mean? It seems cost-efficient, wouldn't it, Coach? I, you know what I mean? It would seem like a no-brainer business decision. Yeah, exactly. Keep the guy around, you know, put him up in a hotel. We Maybe we can have different people take him out on the town, and uh, maybe you can get used to Chicago, give up on Japan, and stay living here in the beautiful city. I don't think that's going to happen, Coach. Next year is Kosuke Fukudome's last year here with the Chicago Cubs. He's going to pretty much have to turn into Ichiro okay. next year. All right. Okay, and I don't think that's going to happen. Even though the batting instructor does not speak English, do you think he could spend a little time maybe with the Ramos Ramirez? Who knows, maybe a little instruction from a Japanese expert that might be just what Aramis needs. Well, no, Coach, you don't remember Aramis Ramirez is his own hitting coach. So he might as well just, you know, talk to him in Japanese. That might help because Aramis Ramirez says he's his own hitting coach anyway. Well, that, that's kind of what I was alluding to, that, you know, any hitting coach standard inside the box speaking English not working for Aramis Ramirez may be uh, a language that he doesn't understand, that he has to use visual, something to shake him up a little bit. That might exactly be the kind of thing uh, Mr. Ramirez might need. He needs something, Coach. And I just don't like the fact somebody getting paid $14 million a year and him saying comments like, well, I'm not going to come back and play until I'm 100% and all this other. You can paid $14 million a year. You need to be out on the field and, and never complain in the first part. But he's been, without a doubt, the most disappointing Cub this year. And then if you look at Carlos Zambrano, he's another one. I like Ryan Dempster because he works hard, Coach. He really does try. 
But if you think about it, if you're making ten million dollars a year for the Cubs, you've been bad all year long. I mean, Ted Lilly has been up and down. I mean, he, he's actually pitched all right, but he hasn't really come through in the clutch. And uh, Alfonso Soriano is hitting two seventy five with with ten homers, so he's on, you know he's on pace for like sixty five RBIs, and we think that's decent. You know, just because he's he's so much better than he has been in the past, it, it's pretty sad. If you're making a lot of money for the Cubs. You're overpaid dramatically. It's so sad. Their best players are making like 400 grand a year this year. Alfonso, is, by the way, I believe it was two days ago, putting down his first sacrifice bunt as a Chicago Cub, a career that has spanned, what, about three years? Yeah, he came over in 07, coach. And, uh, you know, that was, a, that was, a, like, I don't want him button with one runner on, but a first and second. In, in a tie game, yep. he did the right thing. He got a bunt down, and you know, and all of a sudden, it's like headline news. I'm not kidding you. It was like <laughs> I'm not kidding you. On Cubs.com, five minutes later, they had a story on it. Alfonso Soriano bunts for the first time since June 25, 2006. Oh, I'm not kidding, goodness. Coach. They had a story on Cubs.com within five minutes. That's how. Like, and I was in a bar at this time, and I actually said to myself, "I was like, how much have I been drinking? Did Soriano just bunt?" And people were like, no, because you know, people were just sitting around not really watching the game. And when I said that, somebody was like, oh, no, that had to be like, <laughs> and they didn't believe it happened. Apparently the Wrigley Field crowd gave him a rather deeply sarcastic um, applause as he came off the field after the sack bunt. It's so funny that you said that because in the the, the game recap, when they asked Soriano about it, he says, well, these fans really know baseball here, and I appreciated <laughs> the, the standing ovation I got. I'm not kidding, Coach. That's exactly what he said. So it was because it was kind of a lot. It was a, it was a sarcastic ovation, mm-hmm. and he he thought it was a heartfelt. <laughs> that that's pretty funny stuff. Oh goodness! Well, we can look forward to the next bunt uh, at about May, maybe June, early July of 2013. Uh, the sad thing is, I think he'll still be under contract at that point with the Cubs. Yeah. That's so, right. I like him. Giving him $17 million a season. He's a good teammate. All his teammates like him. He's actually a good guy. We may not like his production on the field, but the, you talk to the teammates, they pretty much to a man say that Alfonso Soriano, a pretty cool guy. Yeah, well, you know what? Soriano does seem like a nice guy. Yep. He's always happy. I mean, who wouldn't be happy if you got to go to a ballpark and get paid $17 million a year? Mm-hmm. Get paid over $100,000 a game. Because in one game, he makes more than a teacher will make in three years in one baseball game. I want you to think about that. Wow. that's that's. I've heard different things put in different perspective on how much salary they make. That's one of the better ones. Okay. In, I mean, seriously, because a teacher makes about $30,000 a year. Wouldn't that be right? A young well, teacher, a, I'm not that's talking a, about, that's a little talking about somebody at New Trier for 35 years. You know, That's, a, that's so, a little low, but your point is well taken. So every two one years, game. how about that? One game. One, one, One game, baseball game equaling what a two or three years of a teacher. Yeah. Or a nurse. Something, something not right with our um, economic system in the fine United States, Big Dog. There, there truly is no justice if things like that happen. Yeah, it's, it's a little crazy. Yeah. 888-463-6748. That's our phone number here. You want to talk some baseball? We're World Cup free today. Sorry about that, but I'm taping the soccer game from strictly a selfish standpoint. We aren't going to talk about that. We'll get to the NBA Game 7 coming up in just a minute. Right now, baseball first and foremost, though. Phone lines open, 888 Dial it up. Anything you want to talk about in the world of baseball. My son went to the game yesterday. Big Dog brought back. One of the weirder bobblehead dolls that I've ever seen, it was Ryan Thurio Bobblehead Doll Day, which is odd enough as it is. But it's apparently he wanted a bobblehead doll as a fisherman. 
Yeah, so, it's a cool looking bobblehead doll for Terry. It's uh, yeah, instead of being in his baseball uniform, he's in a boat. Yeah, and he, it looks like he's back in Louisiana, getting ready to get, catch him. And you push uh, the, you push oh. the button, and you get the uh, deliverance music. It's very cool. <laughs> really, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I would have gone yesterday if I would could have got that uh, that deliverance music. Fortunately, the bobblehead doll does not bend over as the music is being played. It stands upright, thank goodness. But I just found that kind of odd. Ryan Thero, who is that? It's Ryan Thero, and he's not in a baseball uniform, but in a fisherman's outfit. What was that like a joke, or was that a request from Ryan Thero? I don't quite understand. I don't know. But, well, Ryan Thero probably just wanted. Uh... Something different, you know. Everybody else has stuff in the baseball uniform, so mm-hmm. it, it. I think it's a pretty good idea. It looks pretty cool. It's original. Okay, could be you an know, interesting daily quandary. We could throw that out. Other players, you know, if their bobblehead doll is not a baseball player, what would they? You know, what would they look like? What would they be dressed up? If you could have a bobblehead doll, big dog of yourself, twenty thousand given away at Wrigley Field. I'm almost afraid to ask this, but what would you be wearing on the big dog's bobblehead doll day? Yeah, I would. I would probably just be in some boxer shorts, coach. That's it. You have no idea how often I've done this show butt naked. That's a little bit more information than I care to ask. All right, well, stop so before have... I throw up. <laughs> oh goodness! Thank God the webcast is just from here, David, and not from any other locations. Uh, that definitely goes in the uh, too that, much. That might infor- be changing soon, coach. But you'd have a bobblehead doll and just the boxer shorts, huh? Yes. Would, you, would you be like flexing, showing off the muscles a little bit? Uh, no, I'd probably be yawning. At the time, I'd be just getting out of bed. It always seems like I'm just waking up anyway, so uh-huh. I right. have to go with that look. On the back of the bobblehead doll, would you go a little, a, a little cleavage, a little plumber's butt, or would you go fully covered? Oh uh, no, I, I, I don't do, I don't have, I don't get the plumber's butt anymore, Coach. Okay. So I'd have to go with a little cleavage. And <laughs> actually. Every time, you know, I'm starting to feel good about stuff, and then I walk into the bathroom for a second ago, and I saw myself in the mirror, and I'll, all of a sudden I'm depressed again, Coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that can do things to people. 888-463-6748. Big Dog and a Coach at your service right up until 12 o'clock. We talked about Cub. What about our beloved White Sox, Big Dog? Uh, happy times, at least temporarily on the south side. Eight of their last ten playing very good baseball, another good pitching performance uh, from their starting pitching. This time it was Mark Burley, who seems to be coming back a little bit. Things got a little bit tight in the end. The bullpen came through, but they beat Pittsburgh 5-4, to four, sweep 8 out of 10. They're climbing climbing back in the race. Yeah, it's slowly climbing, you know, but, the, but things are looking good for him. Mark Burley pitching well is gigantic, because Mark Burley, when he is good, he's an ace. He's the number one pitcher, mm-hmm. and... He hadn't pitched well at all so far this year. Neither has anybody in the starting staff besides maybe Freddie Garcia, which is their number five starter has been so far their most consistent guy. Uh, but if, if Burley can get things turned around like he did yesterday and, and like he did previously against the Cubs, they, they will have a chance to get back into it. And, and also, their guy Sergio Santos, the best kept secret in baseball right now, he, he faced three batters yesterday and all three of them got on. Yep. But typically this year, Coach, he's been dominant. He has been really, really good. He's having such a good year that when he has his worst outing of the year, it's the, the, his team still bails him out. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt Thornton's able to get out of the innings. I know three runs score, but still they had the lead. And, you know, you, you got to feel pretty comfortable because all of a sudden when Bobby Jenks lost his closer job for like a week, it looks like he is determined to get it back, you know, and he's throwing again like Bobby Jenks of, I don't know, about 05. He looks like, like a, a quality closer again the last couple of weeks after uh, – 
he and basically said it's not automatic that he goes to him. Yeah, which is shocking because, quite frankly, I had thought uh, he lost it and he wasn't going to get it back, sort of like the uh, clap, clap commercial. I'm falling and I haven't got, and I can't get up. That looked like Bobby Jenks. I'm shocked that hopefully it's not just a couple of games. Hopefully it'll continue for the season, but you are exactly right. He does at least temporarily look like the Bobby Jenks of old, which is a good thing if you're Ozzie Guillen of the White Sox. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You you know, you, you got to have good starting pitching. you got to have a good closer if you want to win uh, mm-hmm. uh, in Major League Baseball. So. Well, I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist, too, and I think once the season went on, we started to get lost in different minutiae with the Chicago White Sox. It's pretty clear the team is designed as it was before the season started, and that is if they're going to succeed. If they're going to have success, they have to ride what we thought coming into the year could be the best starting pitching staff in all of baseball. And we got lost in all the different position players and the bullpen. It's the bottom line is, Big Dog, if that starting pitching can produce like we thought they might, the Sox can get in contention. If they're not, if Peavy and Burley uh, and Floyd remain inconsistent, they're not going anywhere. Would you agree with that over-analysis? Absolutely, Coach. Think about it. PV, Floyd, and Burley, their ERAs are all over five. Yep. Okay, it's not, you know, April 20th and their ERAs are over five. It's the middle of June. You know, so they have completely underperformed. You know, John Banks, it seems like, you know, he's pitched pretty well this year, but it seems like whenever he pitches, the White Sox don't hit. He's been like a tough luck guy. And then, you, then you have Freddy Garcia, who like four times out of five pitches a good game, and on the fifth time he gives up eight runs in three innings. So uh, they've had a very, very difficult time being, having any type of consistency with their starters. Mm-hmm. But, but over the last eight games, coach, so it's nine games now. It's nine games. They uh, the, over the last nine games, starters have pitched uh, sixty-three innings and have an ERA below. It's like two point one five. It's right around. It's in very low twos. And then guess what? You, just like you said, they've won eight of the last ten games. So since the last nine of those, it's been their starting pitching that has led the way for them. So Yeah, and they're capable of continuing on that run if if the starting pitching continues to be, I'm not going to say dominant, but uh, near dominant. I mean, you look at their everyday starting lineup, it's okay, it's got potential, but it's only good enough to win consistently if the starting pitching is very, very good. That starting lineup cannot carry you. And again, Peavy, Burley, Floyd, Danks, Garcia – uh, if things fall into play, that's as good a starting staff as there is in baseball, and they're going to need to be, if not the best, one of the top two or three if the Sox are going to succeed. They're, what, three games under five hundred right now? Uh, yeah, 31 and 34. Okay. What do we got? And, 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 and you talk about, like, the, the starting lineup, you know, like how good it is. Think about it. Carlos Clinton's hitting about 210 right now. Yep. Okay, he's right in there. Gordon Beckham has 16 RBIs for the season. Ouch. You're talking about a guy that had 12 going into the Pittsburgh series. This is somebody they really were going to, they were counting on him to have a good year. So they've had horrible starting pitching. They've, their, the relievers have been good. Let's face it, that's the best part of the team so far is in the relievers. And, uh, they've had basically no production from a third baseman, no matter who they put out there, Jason Nix or Mark Tehan, or, uh, now they're bringing up, um, Dion, uh, Vicieso, yes. by the way, coach. They're, they're Cuban. Eleven million dollar guy. Yep, he's actually he was actually brought up. He'll start tomorrow, not today, against Steven Strasburg. Long as long as the ball is hit right to him, he's very very good. Lateral movement, not his strength. Have you? Oh, you seen him then? <laughs> oh my goodness, he looks like I mean, legitimately like a refrigerator at third base. Yep. Okay. It's it's he's got a cannon of an arm. His so um, exactly right. Hopefully, he's got soft hands. Yeah, you know, we talk about body parts. Some of the finest body parts of uh, Major League Baseball players, the even Ivan DeJesus. Uh, 
quads, the Mark Pryor calf muscle, arguably the best set of hips, or certainly the biggest set of hips that I've seen in the major league, Davian Vasiedo. Well, yeah, if there was ever going to be a man to have a baby, I'd have to say it's, it's Dion Vasiedo. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, I hope, okay, I hope you don't. <clears throat> there's a comforting thought for us all. Now, you had uh, mentioned Steven Strasburg, and that's the big story to bring up with the White Sox today, right? Yes, yes. Uh, they go into Washington, and, and Steven Strasburg will face Gavin Floyd in a, in a pretty big game. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, you're going to need good starting pitching when you're facing this kid because he's not going to give up much, at least so far he hasn't. 14 strikeouts in game one, eight strikeouts in game two. He's the new boy wonder in Major League Baseball. We've seen some boy wonders burn out in the past, especially pitchers, and we've seen a few uh, live up to their reputation. You talk to the scouts, you talk to the experts, Big Dog, and they seem almost to a uh, each and every one, almost to a T that they all think this guy is absolutely can't miss. He will not flame out. He throws a, he can get it up triple digits, and then he still has a good curveball and changeup as well. Yeah, well, if you have off-speed pitches and the ability to throw it past somebody and you can locate your stuff, yep. yeah, Coach, you can't predict injuries, but if he stays healthy, he's going to be a Cy Young contender, it looks like, every single year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He looks that good. And so apparently we'll pretty uh, pretty level-headed, a good head on his shoulders, as long as he doesn't trip and run into a brick wall. Well, that would help, Coach. Definitely would help. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, my face is killing me as it is. Yeah, I, I, I feel for it. Not really, but I've, I'm trying to feel for you. It's hard to literally feel for you, but I'm feeling as best as I can possibly feel. How do you feel that I'm feeling for you about your feeling? Uh, I could really care a lot to be quite okay. Thank you very much. That nice sentimental note here. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back with a little MLB recap. we got to talk Game 7 of the NBA Finals. The season is over, by the way. The draft coming up in a couple of weeks, big dog. <laughs> but uh, Lakers-Celtics, it was a classic, a defensive battle. But nevertheless, tense, yeah. tight and a defensive classic. We'll talk about that game when we come back. Big Dog and the Coach, 888-463-6748. If you're walking and listening to the show, be careful of brick walls. To two guys and a mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. Beautiful, beautiful Friday here in the fine city of Chicago. Got a great weekend coming up. Hope uh, everybody out there has some good things planned for the weekend, be it rest and relaxation or be it some activities that you enjoy. We hope everybody out there has a safe and enjoyable weekend. It is a gorgeous Friday here in the city of Chicago. Big Dog and a coach at your service. Big Dog, the NBA uh, did come to conclusion last night. Kobe Bryant winning his fifth championship. Phil Jackson, his 11th. Great game, very tightly contested, a defensive battle. But your, and I say your in a uh, 
in gregarious sense, your L.A. Lakers defeat the Boston Celtics 84-79. Yeah, you know what? That was a, a pretty fun game to watch, even though, like, you know, I know most people would rather have it, you know, 115 to 111, but uh, that was actually every shot was thoroughly contested. Yep. Uh, people flying all over the court. Either the, the Celtics really missed that big guy Perkins big time, but that was one heck of a game to watch. And uh, I don't know if the better team won. Because I hate to say this, you know, I don't want to sound like Rashid Wallace over here, but that game was horribly officiated. Horribly. Game seven of the NBA Finals, and it's like every call went like white. And you know what the funny thing was, Coach? They couldn't hit their free throws, so it really didn't matter. So all those, you know, bad calls that I thought, like, this, that. like I did think that those were fouls that the Celtics committed, but why weren't they calling any fouls against the Lakers? Yeah, I, I I noticed that a little bit, and I'll agree with you, uh, un poco, just a little bit. I was rooting for Boston uh, so during. I, I was rooting for Boston. Yeah, so. and, and uh, you know the Lakers, both teams, both teams really struggled to shoot the ball. The Celtics had a pretty good offensive rhythm going early. They got some transition baskets, Rajon Rondo up and down the court, but then uh, at about mid second quarter, the Celtics could get nothing easy. Very few teams, really. If you look at easy baskets, you alluded to it was great. Defense, you talk about these championship teams and all the All-Stars, and the announcers mention it too, Big Dog. The Los Angeles Lakers won that game because they played great defense. You don't think of Lakers, Kobe Bryant, Paul Gasol, and defense, but indeed that uh, last two and a half quarters was superb individual and team defense by the gold-shirted Laker. Yeah, yeah it was, and let's not forget the rebounding. Yes. I mean, they, I don't know what the rebounding edge was, but it Felt like the Lakers got every single rebound during that game. I know they didn't, yep. but it, it felt like that. Many so. rebounds to be had as well because they couldn't make a basket from the perimeter. <laughs> yes. Go to the hole. Whatever happened, just go into the hole, Coach. Well, I think Are... the defenses, to some extent, took that away. Okay. Not fully. Not fully, to some extent. And by the way, the defensive uh, guru of the Boston Celtics, Tom Debido, uh, disappointed today, but... Today, uh, or maybe tomorrow he takes one day off, he starts his first official day as the head coach of your Chicago Bull. I'm, I'm sure because they lost, Tom Thibodeau is already uh, working as the Chicago Bulls head coach. If they would have won, he probably would have, you know, toured with the Stanley Cup for a day or something like that and then and then come back and started tomorrow. But mm-hmm. since they lost, he's a pretty hard worker coach. 83-79, Ray Allen could not hit a shot for the Boston Celtics. If he could, the Celtics would be a reigning champions. Kobe Bryant was cold for the Lakers, but Derek Fisher, Ron Artest, and Paul Gasol picked him up. Big Doug, a little bit of a surprise, but Kobe had an off game. Yeah, he, what, 6 or 24? Yep. But you know what, Coach? He had 15 rebounds, mm-hmm. at least 15 rebounds. He uh, He played phenomenal on defense. So, you know, I'm not a big Kobe Bryant fan, but, you know, he... He did whatever it took for his team to win. So mm-hmm. Celtics, too, got in a period of time, I thought, and it was interesting to, where they were standing around way too much. Way too much, just, you know, feed it into Garnett, wait, 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 give it to Pierce on the perimeter, you know, clear out. And you basically got three or four guys standing around, one guy trying to create. And it was, uh, they had the coaches mic'd up, and I think during one timeout, maybe mid third quarter, Glenn Rivers alluded to it. He gave a little bit of strategy talk, and then he said, guys, movement, movement. Movement, 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 movement. I mean, like five or six times he told the Celtics that. I was thinking before that. That's exactly what they need to do. Sometimes basketball is not that complicated, Big Dog. To get open, to score, you got to move. 
I, I didn't see that particular timeout. And those, are, I love the fact that they actually have the the coaches in the timeout. Yeah, it's cool. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wonder if they actually have somebody watching that so they can go tell somebody else what the heck's going on. Well, I think uh, the, I, th- I think what they air on TV, they're very careful not to air any specific X's and O's. Okay. You know, yeah, if, they're desi- if they're designing a play, so you gotta. I would think there's a little filter as to what you know. They're mic'd the whole time, but what comes on the air, what does not. Okay. Yeah. The, the, oh, you would hope so. Yeah. Yeah, because him saying movement, movement, movement. Oh, if, if Phil Jackson would have asked, what do you think the Celtics should do? He'd probably be like, move. You know. So that's yeah, that's not exactly going to give away any secret. But it, but it was cool. Doc Rivers was so definitive and repeated it like five or six times in the Celtics. Again, their offense early on was pretty good, and then they just started standing around. And once they got in a rut, they could not get out of it. And like you said, in the second half, boy, for both teams, but particularly for Boston, every single shot. Every scoring opportunity was so hard to come by. They scored 79 points, barely. I mean, they could have been in the 60s. Rondo hit a couple of big shots late that were like prayers. But uh, the Celtics just struggled offensively. Some of the credit, again, to the L.A. Lakers defense. Well, you, well, you got to give a lot of it to them because, I mean, basically, I mean, that's what Phil Jackson is known for, basically, the triangle and defense. So uh, you got to give some credit to him. It wasn't just bad play by the Boston Celtics, mm-hmm. so. Love the post-game celebration, too. I love the, you know, the, uh, it was great. You know, very emotional. Paul Gasol near tears. Kobe Bryant near tears. Very emotional. It's great to see professional athletes at the highest level. Even guys that have won it before, in the case of Derek Fisher and Kobe Bryant have won it five times. You can see how much it means to them. It still means an awful lot. It was a great celebration. But did you see the female announcer uh, interviewing Ron Artest post-game? Yeah, Doris, whatever her name is, she's the old. She she played basketball. She's like a, 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 one of the great female players of all time. Doris Day, what's her name? Doris? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's not Doris Day, but close enough. Okay, well, yeah, and like all, he just wouldn't answer any questions. He just kept talking, and finally she was like, "I'll let him go." All right, well, he finally figured it out, Doris. Well, so, but you know what? I was I was on Ron Artest's side. She, had, you know, asked some typical, you know, strategic questions. It was a time for celebration. So Ron Artest, he was just so excited he couldn't answer the question. What I loved about it, too, is he he thanked his herd. That's what he called the people around him. I want to thank my herd. I want to thank my wife. I want to thank my kids. I want to thank my doctor. And then this was the kicker. This could be the first time I've heard this. I want to thank my psychologist. Yeah. Did you I, catch I, that? I, I did like that, yeah. <laughs> first time I've heard a psychologist thanked in the postgame celebration. But if you know anything about Ron Artest, he might have put the psychologist ahead of his herd and ahead of his wife. Yeah, and then he gave the most thanks to the psychiatrist. Yes. Said that, yeah, the guy really helped. Yeah, or she did. Yeah. She did. Yeah, she. Yeah. I'm sorry. And and then she he was even polite to the uh, to, to Doris Day, the female announcer. Uh-huh. Or whatever Doris's last. Doris Burke. Doris, that's it. There you go. I like Doris Day better. But Doris Day Burke. But he was pretty cool, but he smiled, and he apologized. He said, sorry, I can't answer the question right now. I'm just so excited. I'm so happy I finally won a championship. And then he hugged her. Yeah. <laughs> That was the best part. He sweaty old Ron Artest giving Doris Day Burke a hug. I thoroughly enjoyed that interview. <laughs> I may have to replay that. I, I want to thank my psychologist. <laughs> Why do so many basketball players have to swear at the top of their lungs right after they win the NBA championship? Why? Who swore? Besides, like, Jordan and Tim Duncan. Who swore? Okay. Coach, do you realize the sound kept going down? Did you ever notice that? Like, no. When the, during the celebration, 
ABC wasn't having technical difficulties. They were on their toes. Oh. These guys are like, oh, Blake and Blake, 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 we're Blake and won the title. Do you know? Now, are you sure? Because that happened. I'm 100% positive because they, you saw Kobe Bryant, and he, the, he was wording something that started with an F and ended in an icking. Okay, and. And just, there was no sound on the TV because they have a delay on that stuff, so they could just be like, "All right, we can't play this." This and that's what they were doing. These guys you know, were screaming at the top of the. You know, I did not catch that. I did, you know, and, and the only reason I question you a little bit is it happened during the game, also, where oh, the volume yeah, would. I thought they were having some technical difficulties. No, 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 no because somebody would scream, swear at the top of their wow. lungs in the middle of the game. Interesting. That's exactly what what is going on. Interesting. And, and so, then going back, I was not aware of that. Going back to your original statement, I completely agree with you. Absolutely no excuse for the players swearing during the game. It's a public situation. Kids are watching. Don't swear. Period. End quote. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I could know during the game. I could. I, I understand like. You say something that you don't want to say, but you know, don't you don't have to go, you don't have to sound like a red box record, okay? You know, eight hundred of them right in a row. That's just there's just you don't need to do that, okay? But, right. Yeah, ABC. So there, it wasn't technical difficulty, and they didn't want to acknowledge. Oh, by the way, there's some profane language. That's why we keep losing the I sound every five seconds. Totally, so. totally did not catch that as I'm watching the game with my uh, two sons. In fact, we commented how man. Here it is, NBA Finals, and they're having technical difficulty. Totally, totally missed on that. I've been informed by our producer extraordinaire, David Olson, the surgeon of sound, if you will. If I copy some, uh, that's copied off another show. I won't use that sound. But uh, we've got a little tape of the Ron Artest interview. Let's see if we can hear it. Thank the Worldwide Warriors, Rockfell, my wife, Tisha, my family, my kids, everybody. I definitely want to thank my doctor, Dr. Sandy, my, um, my psychiatrist. <laughs> she really helped me relax a lot. Thank you so much. It's so difficult to play. All this, there's so much commotion going on in the playoffs, but she helped me relax. I thank you so much. Ron, you were able to. I'm not down that three. Yes, that was a huge shot from the late three. Yes, no question. Oh. Ron, again. I'm not and that's that's when he gave her the big sweaty embrace, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if the fans were able to hear that. I hope you were, but I even listening to it a second time, I thought it came off uh particularly well. Stop asking X and O's question. This is a moment of elation. Uh, the sideline reporter, you got to, you got to, your job is to bring out the thrill and excitement at that moment, not try to tone it down and X and O it, my personal opinion. Yeah, I, I see what you're coming from. At that moment, yeah, I guess, you know, just let it fly. You know, mm -hmm. you, you can ask a coach an X and O question. They're normally a little bit, a little bit more reserved, but especially mm -hmm. a guy like Ron Artest, you know, he's going to let it all hang out. You could probably ask Kobe anything and he would be able to answer the question. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's just one of those guys, but pretty much anybody else, they're just they're going to be all shook up. Do you remember when Kevin Garnett, with his whole moment, uh, when? Do you, do you remember his whole moment? No. And when he oh he did the same thing, um, he did that. Well, he started swearing and he lost control and he didn't know what the heck was going on. <laughs> you don't remember when, in '08 when he won? I'm certified. Blankety blank blank, they had to turn the sound down because I think that's when they started it because uh, they didn't get to his first uh, F bomb back in 08. <laughs> so, yeah, these guys, they, they just lose control, coach. They uh -huh. absolutely lose control. 
Yeah. If it's not, like I just did, by the way. I wish I could just talk about what just happened, but you're not you're not allowing me to. But no, I would certainly hope not. Again, very thankful that we're not webcasting from your particular abode. We're webcasting only from our studio. Might be the only reason our show is still on the air. By the way, <laughs> did you notice that the Ron Arnett art test? He did not say psychologist. He said psychiatrist. I always get the two confused, but. Big Dog, you've got uh, seven or eight degrees at college. I don't know if you ever finished any, but you started seven or eight. The difference, if you could, for the uh, folks out there and two guys at a mic land between a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Oh, that's uh, that's about 125 bucks an hour, Coach. The difference. <laughs> Which one's more expensive? Oh, I would have to say the psychiatrist is more expensive. The really? psychologist is just somebody that you know, like, had a degree, and the psychiatrist had to like pass some type of like medical mm-hmm. test. Interesting. Interesting. You know, Joel told me he had like six or seven degrees, Dave. I was never impressed. All these people that got, you know, a degree here and a degree there and their master's degree. And I always tell them, I always come back, I'm not impressed with degrees. A thermometer has degrees, and you know what a nurse does with a thermometer. Thank you very much. 888 <laughs> your thoughts. Game seven, it was a classic, but uh, and it was a defensive battle. But I will tell you, the stomach... Was knotted up, big dog. It was very intense. Coming down the stretch, I said yesterday, I'm not, you know, I'll root for the Celtics a little bit. I don't particularly have a strong rooting interest in this game, but I would like to see a close finish, and we got that. The final four, five, six, seven minutes, very, very intense drama. Yeah, it, it was going back and forth, and that's exactly what you wanted. It was, wasn't it amazing, too, that nobody could buy a bucket, and then all of a sudden on the last, like three minutes of the game, especially that well, from like a minute thirty down when they had the three consecutive three point shots made, including one by Ron Artest. Nobody could hit a shot until like at the end of the game, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden everybody was hitting everything. It was it was it was a very very strange game, and it, it was exactly what we wanted. We were hoping it would come down to the wire, and it did. Yep. Go, so. Yeah, and boy, hitting free throws. You alluded to that. The Lakers really struggled. Under pressure at the free throw line. Biggest basket of the game down the stretch. Derek Fisher's three pointer. I thought that was the Celtics had just hit a three. They're coming back. And then Fisher with the hand in his face in a help and recover situation drains a three from distance. I thought if I could pick out one basket even bigger than our test, I thought that was the biggest of the game. Yeah. You know what? The, either one. I mean, they're both three pointers. And but that, uh, the, the Derek Fisher one definitely was a, a momentum changer, and the, the Ron Artest was just like right in the middle of the momentum thing. So, mm-hmm. how many big shots has Derek Fisher hit in his life? I mean, it, it seems like that guy. That's all he does. That's all Derek Fisher does is just keep his mouth shut, play awesome defense, and hit big shot after big shot. So, did he play in the original Olympics games? I, I know he's old. I don't know how old he is, but I think he might have been. I think it was on like the 1960 Olympic team, Derek Fisher. Uh, he may have been coach back then. Yes. Okay, I do think he, he he returned the silver medal back in 72. I do realize that. So. <laughs> he and Doug Collins, huh? Yeah. Um, everybody talks about Kobe Bryant winning five championships, but correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Derek, small daddy Fisher, also an owner of five championship rings, correct? I think, what, two with the Lakers and one with the Spurs? Well, wasn't Derek Fisher there for all five? Well, I meant, uh, well, I was, I don't, I think he's even one with the Spurs too, coach. So he might have six. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to look into that because Derek Fisher, I don't know if he was there for all the previous three okay. in 2000, 2001, 2002, because I'm almost positive he won one with the Spurs also. Okay. Because he's, because he's been on the Jazz, the Spurs, he's been on a few teams and all of them are good. He's been mm-hmm. on the Trailblazers when they actually had a really good season. So, uh, I will look this up. I will definitely find out. So. Hmm. 
Very, very underrated player. Your thoughts of Ray Allen was off. Would you agree if Ray Allen has his, not even a great game, if Ray Allen has a normal game, hits a few of those open shots, and he did have some, the Celtics could be uh, celebrating this morning. Uh, absolutely. How many, um, you know, when I said earlier, uh, people need to go to the hole. Well, how many times did Ray Allen go to the hole yesterday because his jumper wasn't falling and he still missed the layup? Yep. He missed at least three layups yesterday and one that would have tied the game um, with about three minutes to go. Do you know what I'm talking about? He broke right through, went right past everybody and just missed the layup. I mean, it wasn't like it was even uh, a contended layup. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, there was a lot of stuff that the Suss can look back on and, and be disappointed and they could have easily won the game. Because if you think, think about it, Rasheed Wallace, didn't get out of his uniform, was waiting for the officials outside their locker room, okay? And they had to, they had to have the police take him away, okay? <laughs> Richie Wallace hit a five-foot jumper. How many of those did he miss yesterday? Yeah, so, he would hold the ball for like 15 seconds. He made some big shots, and to Rashid's credit, but uh, he missed a few, didn't get as many rebounds as they would have liked. I think they would have liked him to be a little bit more of a rebounding presence. But I was not aware he was waiting for the officials, and maybe he should sit down and talk to Ron Artest's psychiatrist. That's probably what he needs, Coach. That guy, he's everybody's always against him. You know what I mean? He's always complaining. Mm-hmm. You know, although to Rashid's credit, he did dive into the stands, run over about three or four people instead of getting up and just running back on the court. He helped everybody up, made sure everybody was okay. I thought that was a nice moment, yeah, and a nice he, touch. When he, was, when he was running for the loose ball off the sideline. Yep. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. How about the time? Uh, I forget which player, what was it, Garnett, that went flying into the stands right next to Jack Nicholson? <laughs> you see that? You know Jack wasn't going to help anybody up. No, no, he just sat there with his typical Jack Nicholson smile, and, uh, and then the, the guy next to him was, like, totally beaten and bruised, and Garnett got up, but Nicholson was, he was playing the part. I don't know if that's, if he was acting at the time, or that's just the actual Jack Nicholson. No, that is just the actual Jack Nicholson, coach. Mm-hmm. That's okay. what he does. All right. Well, that was a great ball game. Basketball's over, big dog. Any uh, final words, any final thoughts? It's if it were the funeral for NBA basketball this year and you were the pastor giving the speech to the 2010 season as the Lakers and Celtics and the rest of the teams are put down to rest, anticipating a great next year, what would your final thoughts be to the parents of the NBA Finals 2010? Well, uh, yeah, I hate to tell you, everybody, but you know, you get everybody gets sick of the Brett Favre talk. Well, here's what happens. They sell it. You do the, the L.A. Lakers parade tomorrow. In Los Angeles, they'll have that. They'll have some, you know, they'll have people dancing on stage, and then about ten minutes after that, the LeBron James discussion begins. And until he decides to sign somewhere, that's all we're going to hear about the NBA coach. So, I, you know, that's I hate to tell you people, but that's what you're about to face. I'm already sick of that discussion. I'm not look, you're probably right. I'm not looking forward to that. I had heard on one of the radio shows yesterday that LeBron James, what his worth was to the City of Cleveland, business-wise. And I think, I don't know, did they throw out the number? Two billion is too much. No, no, yeah, it was, uh, it's in the billions, Coach. It's in, it's the, in billions. the billions. So they've yeah. somehow figured out, estimate obviously, but a educated estimate of what you're talking about an athlete's influence on a city beyond sports to the economy of Cleveland could be worth like $2 billion. Boy, talk about putting pressure on a guy. Yeah, that's a lot of money, Coach. It's a lot of money. Wow. So- Back in your day when you were playing in downstate Jacksonville, Illinois, Big I don't know if they did studies back then, but you're playing on the uh, McMurray College team. That rough estimate of what that did to the business, <laughs> to well, the business you, well, uh, community in Jacksonville. Well, I, I, my dad used to come down and watch games all the time. And, uh, 
I, I trust me. He used to go to like dollar beer nights. It, it, it was at least four or five hundred dollars onto the uh, added to the economy coach per per weekend. No, 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 for oh. my whole career there. Okay, well that's yeah. not much. That's just a little blip <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> if you want to know how much you're going to be missed when you're not here, Big Dog, everybody thinks they're invaluable and you know they they can't be done without. You want to know how much well, whenever and let's hope it's way down the road that we are not here, but. Uh, Whenever we do leave this fine earth, if you want to know what influence or how much you'll be missed, you put your fist into a bucket of water, okay? Uh-huh. You with me here? Yeah. And then you pull your fist out, and about three seconds later, that's how much will be missed. That's my philosophical thought for the day. Oh, so like whatever drops end up on your hand, I guess? No, is what you're no, saying? no. We, we, when the fist goes in, you make an impression, right? Yeah. When the fist gets pulled out and the drip drops three seconds later, what does the bucket look like? It's probably still, Coach. Still Ex- water. Exactly. The same, my friend. Oh, you're like Don Wooden, Coach. Thank you. Just stick around me. I've got lots of uh, wisdom. I try to pass on not only to you, Big Dog, but to the – this is more than a sports show. I've said this very often. Our Chicago public schools, suburban schools, teachers could uh, plug into our show and use it for school credit. We pass on some philosophy and some learning and education in this program. Don't kid yourself. We definitely passed something on, Coach. <laughs> Spread the truth. Yeah, pass the gas. <laughs> All right. 888-463-6748. David on our old radio show, that's the way we ended every show. It would be me saying, spread the truth, and the big dog would go. Pass the gas. And that's how we send people on their very own way. All right, real quick, big dog, some stories we haven't gotten to. And, again, if you're just tuning in, no World Cup soccer talk. I'm taping the USA-Slovenia game, so uh, we will talk about that on Monday. But, dog, there's a, a golf tournament going on this weekend. I think it's named the U.S. Open. Yes, the U.S. Open. And uh, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, we were talking about the LeBron James talk, so now it's just Phil Mickelson, uh, Tiger Woods talk, because that's all you get to hear about when it's uh, the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who's that negative to. Somebody – is leading the tournament at minus two, and I have no idea what the guy's name is. They didn't even discuss him. All they talked about was Tiger and, and Phil's trouble all day yesterday. Sean Michael, he's been uh, he's been up on the leaderboard before. I don't know if he's won a big tournament, but Sean Michael, Paul Casey, he's been up there too. Oh, and then, Sean McKeel, Sean McKeel actually won the U.S. Open back in two thousand and four. That's how so, you yeah, pronounce he's it. Definitely been on the leaderboard. So. You pronounce it McKeel? Yeah. Interesting. It's Interesting. M I C. H-E-E-L. Uh Paul Casey and also a young man from Zimbabwe. We mentioned yesterday one thing we can guarantee, that after the first day of the U.S. Open, there will be someone who's in the lead whose name we'll never hear from again. The leading candidate for that award from Zimbabwe, Brendan DeJonge, who was two under tied for first place. Really? Yeah. The names just, that you might be familiar with, Big Doug, K.J. Choi, Mike Weir, Ian Poulter. This could be the time uh, Ian Poulter gets over the top and wins a big one. I got a feeling about him. They shot 70, one stroke back, obviously, after day one, a lot of positioning. But both Mickelson and Tiger Woods, uh, not so good yesterday. Well, yeah, yeah. no birdies for either one of them. I mean, come on. I mean, you, you don't expect that to ever happen, Coach. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, uh, I know you do the celebrity circuit a little bit, have you ever been uh, wined and dined at a Pebble Beach country club? No, no I've, I used to go out to Los Angeles a lot, but no, I've never, and like north of Los Angeles, I've never been mm-hmm. over there, and that's exactly where it is. I would love to golf there. Oh have my you God, ever, that place looks beautiful. Have you ever had a brief tryst possibly behind the uh, lovely wooded trees on the 14th hole? No, I haven't been in that neighborhood, Coach, but I've had a tryst in that general you know, part of the country. Okay. But never, you know, 
in the, or on Pebble Beach golf course. No, sir. Never on a golf course, huh? No, All not right. on Pebble Beach either. All right. Just make sure if you're twisting on the golf course, stay out of the rough. Believe me. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, but you're right, by the way. Everything, way too much Tiger Phil, Tiger Phil. Let's get to the guys that actually are in the lead. And doesn't mean you can't mention Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, but it's a great tournament out there. Great golfers. Let's talk about the guys that are in the lead and performed on day one. Yeah, yeah, well, without question. I mean, and uh, the dead golf course does look absolutely brutal, though, doesn't it? I mean, nobody can hit a putt. It, it's, uh, I don't know. It was uh, watching the, the highlights of that yesterday. Was it was pretty comical. It was. Those guys look like amateurs out there with that golf course. Now, is that something uh, overnight that a, the maintenance guy can correct, or is that something the golfers will have to live with the rest of the tournament? So they're going to have to live with that, Coach. Okay. And uh, you're just going to have to hope that if you play poorly the day before and you're teeing off in the morning that you can take advantage of the fact that the greens won't be as fast as they will be at, you know, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. when they dry out and the things are like concrete. So. Hmm. All right. The guy I predicted to a win, by the way, oh, I had two guys, Jeff Ogilvy and Scott Verplank, I don't even know if Scott Verplank played yesterday. He might have got the flu. And Jeff Ogilvy shot a 79. So my predictions, um, pretty safe to say I will not have picked the winner of the U.S. Open, Big Dog. Yeah, understand. Understandable. Coach. Wow. But it's a great tournament. And, uh, and we say this, we said it about the Celtic Laker game last night. We say this about big tournaments. Let's hope whoever wins, let's hope Sunday you get, you know, four, five, six, seven guys bunched up heading into the back nine of a major at Pebble Beach, uh, It'd be some good viewing, awfully good. Well, that, anytime you have a, a, a close a golf tournament at the end, it's usually a lot more exciting. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to watch. And we saw, we mentioned this yesterday too. It's one of the things I enjoy about sports, not just the competition, but it, it's human drama. It's raw emotion. And it, it's, when I say it's fun to watch, it's almost cruel. It's uh, interesting to watch the greatest at their particular sports still not able to perform under pressure. I'm not going to use the word choke, but you saw it uh, in shooting and in free throws in Game 7 yesterday, guys that normally just drain shots. Ray Allen missed a couple of free throws. Uh, Paul Gasol couldn't hit the backyard of the with a uh, brick and a fire oven if he could. It looked like he was shooting a brick and a fire oven is what he was shooting. But uh, And you see it in golf, big dog. Sometimes in the back nine, guys that have been playing great, for uh, you know, close to 72 holes, but those last nine, all of a sudden a drive goes awry. They can't hit a putt. You watch the best in the business start to falter. It's uh, again, I hate to cliche it, but it's human drama at its finest. Yeah, you know, and it happens so often. There's so many different examples of it. Like you, know, you talk about the Masters that one year, but Angel Cabrera mm-hmm. didn't make one bad shot for three and a half days, and all of a sudden, boom, he makes one bad shot and he just collapsed after that. So mm-hmm. there's uh, that uh, Jean Van der Velde. Of uh, that's during the, the British Open that one year, probably the most of, of all time. the meltdowns. That's probably the most famous. Yeah, oh, that, it's got to be the most famous. That that guy's an idiot. Just lay up, man. Lay up, and you win the British Open. Well, it was one. It was one of those things where it just started to build. One bad shot after another after another. Tried to dig himself out of a hole and um, literally dig himself out of a hole, and it didn't work. But that that was the ultimate meltdown. All right, and we have other news and notes real quick, titillating tidbits. Only got about two minutes. College World Series this weekend, TCU, Arizona State, Florida, Florida State, Oklahoma, South Carolina. I know you'll be watching. Oh, absolutely, Coach. Uh, I don't know if I'll actually have time this weekend to watch it, but by by Monday or Tuesday I'll be watching it. So okay. uh, that's one of the best uh, sporting events in America that, no, that really nobody pays too much attention to. So but, even uh, if you're not there, you will be there in spirit. Oh, absolutely, Coach. TCU, watch out for TCU. By the way, yeah, 
And as we conclude the show, uh, watch out for uh, brick walls. Because if you didn't join us in the beginning of the show, Big Dog, doing the show hurt today. You basically knocked yourself out two days ago. Yes, I did. Tripping and running into a brick wall. So most of all, Big Dog, whatever happens this, happens this weekend, we hope you uh, recover well, my friend. Uh, I, I, every day I should be a little bit better than the day before, is all I'm hoping. I just want the swelling to go down. I look like Rocky Balboa. <laughs> How's your vision? How many fingers am I holding up? Uh, one, and I don't like the one you're holding up, Coach. <laughs> All right. Are you icing 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off? Yes, as much as I possibly can, Coach. Okay. And most of the injuries are up in the uh, upper Hedio region? Yeah, all of them are on the face. Everything's on the face and, and my hand. So uh, luckily I didn't break my neck, so I don't know how that didn't happen. Interesting. Do you remember the initial stumble? Everything up to the stumble, yeah. Up, well, but I'm still a little unclear. Do you remember the stumble? No, I don't. Okay. I mean that's like, like right up to then is everything. Okay. So it's like it's like my my brain is automatically like, so I, I can't see my face slamming right. up against the, the the red concrete of Rigby Field. Has so. the doctor, the paramedics, or any of your loved ones told you to stay in all weekend, or are you able to do your normal duties? No, I have to work, Coach. You do. So I'm gonna have to go out and try to get the word out about my my TV show by, mm-hmm. and people are gonna be like, you you can't be on TV, you're butt ugly. So. <laughs> All right, Big Dog. Have a great weekend. Thanks for coming on today. All right. Thanks a lot, Coach. I'll talk to everybody soon. You betcha. Big Dog and a Coach with you 10 o'clock to 11 every Monday through Friday, one hour a day, five days a week, 10, or I would say five in total. We used to be on two hours. Have a great weekend, everybody. David Olson, our producer, tremendous job all week long. We'll see you 10 o'clock tomorrow uh, on Monday. Not tomorrow. Have a great weekend, everybody, and thanks for listening.